Welcome back to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. We are living in stressful times. There is no doubt about that. The uncertainty and economic instability during this crisis are risk factors for abuse and neglect. Prevent Child Abuse Oregon and its prevention programs are there to help. And during this time of social distancing, they're adapting the way they serve families to keep kids safe. Here to tell us what they're doing and how we can all pitch in to help. Welcome to my guest, Pamela Heisler, the Executive Director of Prevent Child Abuse Oregon and board member Carmen Four. Pamela and Carmen, welcome to Straight Talk. It's nice to have you here. Thank you, I'm happy to be here. Let's start with Pamela. Pamela, tell us a little bit more about Prevent Child Abuse Oregon, what your mission is and how you're helping families and children. Yeah, first I just want to sincerely appreciate KGW for giving us this opportunity to raise awareness about an issue we care about a lot. Prevent Child Abuse Oregon is a chapter of Prevent Child Abuse America. So we are connected to partners across all 50 states and our number one priority in our work is to prevent child abuse and neglect. And we do this by increasing access to local community resources that are proven to prevent child abuse like home visiting, relief nurseries and parent education. And also frankly, by shifting this mindset from one where child abuse is inevitable and there are bad people that do bad things to kids to a mindset of that absolutely child abuse is preventable. There are things that we can all be doing to lift up families all the time and especially now. Let me bring Carmen in now. Carmen, how have you seen this pandemic impact families? Mm, boy, it's it's significant. Uh, you know, the isolation that families are experiencing, I think that we're all experiencing is incredibly stressful. Um, for families where there's multi-stress already, be it uh, there's an abuse or uh, an, an addiction issue within the family, if there's a history of trauma, if they're experiencing their own mental health challenges, poverty, we already know that those are uh, significant factors for risk for a child to experience abuse, neglect, violence, or maybe even entry into our foster care system. When you overlay with COVID, um, that isolation, the lack of connectivity and connection to other support services, it really can exacerbate existing stress on parents and families. So it's in part why we wanna to talk to folks today about what are those strategies we all can be doing as neighbors or families to bring support to uh, these families. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Pamela, with, with social distancing guidelines, how are your prevention programs and resource centers adjusting to serve families? Yeah, so the, the prevention programs on the front line have retooled very quickly to um, bring groceries, diapers, wipes, activities to families, deliver them to their door, and to move to a virtual platform for their services. So if they normally would have gone out to do a home visit in person, they're now doing those by phone or computer. Uh, if they were doing classes, they might drop off a packet at the family's house. And then later that week, they'll join on the computer to do the activity together. So they have quickly retooled to meet the needs of the families. And Carmen, you have a story about how relief nurseries are, are getting food to families. Tell us about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm active with the Eugene Springfield Relief Nursery, and they've done a really good job of pivoting their activities and direct services to families. Oftentimes, families would come to the nursery for parenting skills courses, for counseling services, or parent support. 
What they've done in the COVID environment is to go directly to families themselves. They're gathering uh, uh, toys, they're gathering food, uh, they're gathering, as Pamela said, uh, wipes and diapers, other supplies that families need every day and delivering them directly to home. And that's really important because then that provides that in-person contact with families and kids so they can see you know, check in with them, how they're doing, assess any stress levels to families. But they're also using where they can digital platforms to provide, uh, you know, uh, daycare type services or learning services directly for kids. So they have that kind of outlet to continue learning, to continue engaging, and also to give parents a little bit of a break as well, but that there's that greater contact with the outside world, even in this environment. And Pamela, you have an example of a family that's involved with the Healthy Families Organ organization. Tell us about that. Yeah, I've been so lucky this last few weeks to be collecting and hearing stories from across the state. And the one that really hit my heart was a mom who shared with her Healthy Families home visitor that their weekly calls are her only contact right now. She's not getting other emails or texts or calls from anyone. She and her husband have both lost their jobs They've never been unemployed before. They didn't even know how to access those types of resources. And struggling with a lot of anger and depression issues with three kids at home now during all of this. So the home visitor is calling weekly, checking in. She's connected them to community resources, helped coach them through filing for unemployment, and also give them ideas for activities for three kids at home during all this so that maybe they can peel off for a couple of minutes and get a moment as a couple to breathe. And so that story really touched me because I think so many people it resonates with right now that are going through this experience. It seems counterintuitive, but we have a graphic that shows the number of calls about possible child abuse to the DHS child abuse hotline have gone down during the pandemic. In the last part of March, they were down 70%. Mm -hmm. They went up somewhat in April, but are still down significantly to 48% below what they were before the pandemic. Carmen, how do you explain that? And, and, and please tell us what we can all do. You mentioned that. How can we all be a part of a solution? Mm -hmm. It really highlights the importance of that direct contact with the child is to identify potential uh, abuse or neglect conditions for a child. So oftentimes those calls are coming in from teachers, from a medical provider, from a school bus driver who may suspect that that child is experiencing abuse or neglect. So we're, when we're in a phase where we're not able to interact with children, those calls are not going in. And it is, you're right, it's the exact opposite of what we're seeing with suicide prevention or with domestic abuse lines where calls are going up. So what do we then do? It really stresses the importance that uh, families and neighbors play a key role in checking in with families where they uh, may feel there could be added stress on that family. Uh, make that phone call, see if they're able and if they have the technology to do, do the Zoom call. Go over and maybe check in through the door or the window and wave and just see how they're doing. It's a really great way to check in with families and kids. And I really wanna stress one point. You do not yourself have to be the expert in identifying child abuse and neglect. That really is the job for the experts to do. But if you are genuinely concerned that a child may be experiencing abuse or neglect, we strongly encourage you to call a resource, call 911 or one of the hotlines available to you. Let the experts make that determination, but don't feel reticent to make the call because you're concerned or that you yourself aren't fully sure. 
I know, Pamela, you talk a lot about us all being connected and encouraging us to watch out for one another. What are some of the signs we should be watching for that, that we should get involved and maybe make a call? Yeah, I mean, uh, this time it's the, in an unprecedented way, we're locking contact with families, which normally, like Carmen was saying, is how we would see something that would make us concerned. We'd see marks, we'd see behavior changes that might just make us wonder what's going on and we can ask the child. That's not happening right now. So the best that we can ask anyone to do is to uh, do the FaceTime with your niece, your nephew, your, your friends, um, just check in, see how they're doing and do your best to observe and notice if something things off. You know, if these are kids that you know well, behavior change might be your only um, indicator right now that, that maybe things aren't going that well. And honestly, with all of us at our wit's end, we know it's stressful for everyone. Um, and you might feel like there's nothing you can do to help, but like that mom said in Healthy Families, that call with her home visitor is her lifeline every week. And so you can be that lifeline for a family in your life. Let's uh, bring up the website. I want to show everybody at home the website, preventchildabuseoregon.org. A lot of resources on this website. If, if you need help, you need some assistance. And also, if you'd like to donate, if you're moved by what Pamela and Carmen are saying, uh, there's a lot of ways to donate. And Carmen, uh, this is a really challenging time for these nonprofits. They need supplies. What kinds of help do they need? Well, they they need, and it's important for us to remember, we're talking about nonprofit organizations that rely on the generous support from uh, from all of us. And in during this COVID environment, a lot of them are losing their fundraising opportunities because we're all isolated in place. So you can go on that website and find an organization in your community and make a financial contribution. That makes a significant difference. You can also supply foodstuffs and toys uh, Oregon Food Bank has a great list of the kind of food donations you could make What kind, if you really want to make a food donation yourself or other food uh, pantry kitchens around uh, the state of Oregon and my community that's food for Lane County. So they actually will take specific items as well, but refer to those websites and see uh, what types of things that they uh, will accept. Do you want to add to that, Pamela? No, I think that's the biggest thing to be doing right now to support nonprofits who are on the front lines, who maybe aren't getting recognized as being on the front lines, and they're out there supporting our families. But the other piece I would just add is be kind to people you see. If you're at the grocery store, um, be generous, be thoughtful, be kind. Everyone is in a, such a um, higher state of stress right now that it might just make a huge difference for you to, um, to wave at a child who's with their mom stressing out in the store or give a thumbs up. Uh, let everyone know that we're all doing our best. Carmen, about 30 seconds left. Do you want to leave a final word for us? Absolutely. I think ultimately what we're all working to do is to ensure that children stay out of our foster care system and that they do not experience abuse or neglect in this incredibly stressful moment. It's also important to know that all little st things that you may do that seem insignificant really can make a difference in a child and a family's life. Uh, it, making that phone call, making that outreach, checking in with a neighbor, donating diapers and wipes or food or financial donation really can go a long way in this time period. Pamela and Carmen, thank you for joining us here on Straight Talk. And thank you for watching and listening. Don't forget to download our new podcast. Here's a QR code that will take you right to a link where you can download our podcast or get it wherever you listen to your podcast. Search for KGW Straight Talk. We'll see you next week for Straight Talk. Stay safe and have a good week.